Welcome to the 49ers 2020 season in review episode. It's your host Jay Sahota with another episode of the 49er Way podcast. As promised on this episode I will break down the 49ers 2020 season, we'll wrap it up, put a bow on it, and say goodbye to it. Finally, after an absolutely abysmal 2020 season, but we'll get to all of that on this episode. And of course, we will look ahead to the offseason in what should be a very eventful one for the 49ers. A lot of changes could be coming, players and coaching staff related, even front office related. There's going to be a bit of a shakeup for the 49ers this season, and we'll get to all of that. But in the end, hopefully, the 49ers will be able to make sure that the core stays intact heading into the 2021 season and of course don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on instagram for more 49ers news and analysis so with that we'll start off this episode by kind of going through a year in review for the san francisco 49ers in 2020 and we'll start with january of 2020 and go all the way through until January of 2021 where the 49ers season ended against the Seattle Seahawks in week 17 just a few weeks ago but the 49ers season ended 6-10 and they finished in last place in the NFC West and will pick 12th in the NFL draft and obviously since we're starting this season in review in January of 2020 this was not what the 49ers had hoped for they had a lot of high expectations heading into the season now that they've been to a Super Bowl and they've won the NFC West and they've won a conference championship you know the the standard was set and that the 49ers had really high expectations going into 2020 they felt like they were able to keep majority of their team intact of course losing some guys which we'll get to in just a bit so All in all, it looked like the 49ers were going to be able to try and run it back, which not many teams were able to do. And of course, we'll start off in January of 2020, and it was the highest of highs the 49ers were at. I know for the faithful, for all of us, it was a great time to be alive. I know definitely this January has just been very, very different. It's almost kind of hard to wrap your head around that. Wow, the the 49ers were in the playoffs last year. It's unbelievable to think that now that it's been a year, but it's it's crazy to think that a lot of great memories. The 49ers were able to host their first ever playoff game at Levi Stadium. What a game that was. They beat the Vikings, moved on to the NFC title game, played the Packers where he most ran for 220 yards. Marvelous game. Garoppolo hardly had to do anything. And the 49ers were off to Miami, and, and from there it was... A lot of great memories, a lot of good times, a, a great lead up, a fantastic media day, a lot of hype, and of course, everything leading up to seven minutes remaining in Super Bowl 54, just, that is where everything crumbled to pieces for the San Francisco 49ers, and you know, of course, everyone knows the whole thing, the 49ers were up 20-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Ended up losing the game 31-20 to to the Kansas City Chiefs. And the 49ers had lost the Super Bowl. Lost their second straight Super Bowl. They lost in 2012 to the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, it was it was tough. I mean, it was a tough offseason to get through. A lot of talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and how he couldn't get the job done. And I personally looked back at that game and I was able to watch the highlights and watch the end of the fourth quarter a few times throughout this offseason. You know, just to... You know, it's always good to look back and watch. I know it was hard for the players. It was hard for Kyle Shanahan to go back and watch that. But, 
you know, I, I think it's always good to properly watch it because when you actually watch the game live, there's just so much emotion going on when it's your team playing in the Super Bowl and there's there's a lot going on and you're not thinking straight as to what's going on. But then after the game and you're able to kind of sit back, watch everything, you know, you're a lot, a lot more calmer than you are during the game, that's for sure. You know, you're you're able to see the difference in the mistakes. I remember during the Super Bowl, I was, me and many, many other people were very upset at Kyle Shanahan's clock management at the end of the first half when the Niners were able to possibly get a field goal. But now when I look back at it, it, it actually wasn't Kyle Shanahan's fault. Kyle Shanahan, the only problem was he played it conservatively, which obviously everyone knows the lesson by now. You don't play the Kansas City Chiefs conservatively. And if you do, you're not going to win. Just ask the Texans, the Titans, and of course the Niners were the other culprit. And the, the Chiefs went 14-2 and this year, practically 14-1. and Week 17 didn't even count because they benched their starters. So I think you kind of get the just there. But a lot of people forget Jimmy Garoppolo connected to George Kittle right before the half. And it was, you know, it was a marvelous throw by Garoppolo. It was a great catch by Kittle. Of course, it got called back with an offensive pass interference. And... That changed the entire drive. And of course, the Niners, because of that play, Kyle Shanahan decided to take a knee. We'll go in at going into the half tied at 10. So when you look back at it now, you're like, you know, that that wasn't a terrible decision. He actually was aggressive and they did make a play. It was just unfortunate pass interference was called. But of course, everyone puts the blame on Garoppolo for not hitting Emmanuel Sanders and whatever and all that. But the defense really choked in that fourth quarter too. But I don't know. It's it's always kind of good to just rewatch it. You know, it it sucks. It's terrible. I hate watching the end of it. It's just you know, it's it's unfortunate. But it's good to really be able to look back at it and see exactly what went wrong. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo gets a lot of the blame, but when I look back at it, especially after rewatching the Super Bowl and that second half, our our defense is a lot to blame. There were a lot to blame for. I know, you know, everything's been on Garoppolo's shoulders ever since, but this was an immortal defense. This was one of the best defenses on a foot in all of football. And their job late in that game is to give us a chance. And, and, and they didn't, they put more pressure on Garoppolo. But anyways, enough with the Super Bowl, enough with that, you know, it's, it's a year and, you know, removed from that. But, you know, starting from there, that's kind of where the rest of the season kind of fell apart. So, 49ers lost Super Bowl 54, 31-20 to the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, once the Super Bowl kind of ended, you know, everyone's still upset about the loss, but really eager to get started in September of 2020. And I know throughout the offseason, Raheem Mostert was constantly asked about it. And he was like, you know, we're focused on getting back to the Super Bowl. And I know a lot of people on the 49ers, or a lot of players rather, were really focused on getting back to the Super Bowl. But the one thing that I don't like about that, especially now, and honestly, I've said this time and time again beforehand, if the Niners were healthy this season, I really do think that they would still be playing right now. But having said that, obviously that didn't happen, but a lot of guys in the offseason were very focused on, we need to get back to the Super Bowl and we got to get back there. But I think at the same time, you got to respect the grind that it takes to get there. And you look at the, the Super Bowl hangover for the teams that have lost it hasn't fared well for a lot of these teams. And ironically, for a lot of these teams since 2010, actually were able to make the playoffs, but they weren't able to get back to the Super Bowl. And dating back to 2010, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost the Green Bay Packers in 2010. The next year, they were able to have a winning season, but they lost in the wild card round. Patriots in 2012, able to have a winning season. Of course, it seemed like they always had a winning season with Tom Brady at the helm and Bill Belichick, but that's kind of what happened there. The 49ers lost to Baltimore. We all know what happened there. They made it back to the NFC Championship the next year. And of course, the Sherman-Crabtree whole thing. The Niners did not win that game. Broncos lost to the Seahawks. They made it back to the playoffs the next year. Lost in the divisional round. Same for the Seahawks after their Super Bowl loss. The Carolina Panthers were the first team since 2010 to miss the playoffs entirely. They went 6-10. Falcons made the playoffs lost in the divisional round in their year when they lost to the Patriots. So since 2010, the Patriots were the only team to lose the Super Bowl and make it back the next year and then win it. They're the first teams in since 2010 to do that. The Rams following year missed the playoffs and of course the 49ers missed the playoffs. So of course, the Carolina in 2015 the 49ers in 2020, similar, right? They both finished 6-10. They both had extraordinary Super Bowl runs and obviously fell back down. Earth. But the good news is Carolina was able to bounce back the next year. So were the Rams. The Rams are still playing. They're playing on Divisional Weekend. Had that big upset against Seattle last week. So hopefully the 49ers are able to get back into things next year. And I really do think that, and I talk a lot about the core, which we'll get to in a bit, but... I really do think the Niners will be able to bounce back next year. But anyways, going back to the Super Bowl hangover, historically, statistically, whatever you want to call it, it has not fared well for Super Bowl losers. And it'll be very interesting to see who the Super Bowl loser is this year and how they fare next year as well. But obviously, when you head into the offseason, you know, it's not, you know, with the cap space and all that, it's not bound to happen. It's bound to happen that you're not going to have the exact same team. And Kyle Shanahan really, really was hoping that they would have the exact same team. Unfortunately, that wasn't, you know, they weren't able to make that happen due to the cap space and contracts and all that stuff. And unfortunately, the 49ers had to say goodbye to DeForest Buckner in a trade to Indianapolis. They flipped it for the 13th pick, which turned into Javon Kinlaw. That was a tough loss. But as the season kind of went on, J- Javon Kinlaw has really shown that he he is a good football player and I think he was worth taking 13th he's a cheaper version than DeForest Buckner we all know what Defoe did in Indy phenomenal year phenomenal football player I was really rooting for him hard in the playoffs and even throughout the season I love to see him succeed I'm, I'm very happy that he's an all pro Defoe deserves every bit of it but you know it was sad it was tough to, to say goodbye to him but Javon Kinlaw comes in it took him a little bit of time to get going but once I think it was the Saints game and from there Javon Kinlaw kind of took off and he obviously he missed the last two games with injury but he was really able to take off so I think that that trade definitely was tough at first but it ended up turning into a W I really do the Niners lost Emmanuel Sanders I also think that wasn't a bad decision Emmanuel Sanders doing great things with the Saints but Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk weren't able to be healthy and on the field together at the same time for a lot of the seasons. So I think that has to do with that too. If they were, it'd be a different story, but they weren't. So it didn't really seem like losing Emmanuel Sanders was such a big deal than it actually was. And it really, it wasn't a big deal in the span of things because Debo Samuel balled out when he was healthy. Brandon Ayuk was phenomenal all season long. So losing Emmanuel Sanders wasn't that much of a big deal, but I think it seemed like it was a bigger deal than it was because Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk didn't 
they weren't healthy for majority of the season. The Niners lost Joe Staley. That was tough to retirement, but they replaced him with Trent Williams, who also was fantastic. The Niners also lost Matt Breida and Sheldon Day. So you look at the Niners' losses in the offseason, it really wasn't, it really didn't turn out bad after a year. I mean, right, the Buckner one didn't turn out bad, sucked at first, but didn't turn out that bad. The Sanders trade didn't turn out that bad, right? Because we lost Buckner, we gained Ayuk, phenomenal. Or we lost Sanders and gained Ayuk, phenomenal. We lost Buckner, we gained Kinlaw, great. We lost Staley, gained Trent Williams, he was fantastic. And then, of course, the additions of Jordan Reed and Kerry Hyder, who were very, very good at times as well. Kerry Hyder was phenomenal. So then heading into the offseason with injuries, Debo Samuel obviously fractured his foot. He was expected to miss the beginning of the season, and it seemed like he never really got going in a consistent basis once he got back. And Debo Samuel had a very up-and-down season from there. Weston Richburg, who was a very... Very underrated loss for the 49ers. He did not play a single snap all year. Of course, he tore up his knee in the Saints game in 2019. The Niners thought he would be back for about week 7, 8-ish this season. He didn't come back at all. And that was a really underrated loss because the 49ers offensive line, they had three different centers. They started out with Hronis Grasu, who they picked up just weeks before the season started. Then they had Ben Garland, who was obviously the center when Richburg went down last year, did a very good job. He wasn't healthy throughout the season. Then we had to go to Daniel Brunskill, who has been the unsung hero of this 49ers offensive line. He's had to play every single position. He's never played center before. He was supposed to play right guard. Now he's forced to play center, a position that he's never played before. And he actually played very good. I'll give it to Daniel Brunskill. He did an excellent job. But... Losing Weston Richburg was a big deal, and I think a lot of people don't really recognize that as a big deal on this 49ers offensive line. They say, oh, we need a new guard. No, the 49ers need a new center. Daniel Brunskill is a, is a pretty good guard. Sure, if the Niners can upgrade a guard, absolutely upgrade a guard. But we need a center. The 49ers have not had a consistent center for more than like three years in a row since... I don't even know the last time that we had the same center, maybe since Jonathan Goodwin from 2011 to 2013. But that aside, the offseason injuries, those were two key ones in Debo Samuel and Weston Richburg. So, the Niners get to the season in September. Hopes high, revenge tour, you know, they lost some guys. Debo Samuel didn't play in this game, in the opening game. Brandon Ayuk did not play in the opening game. So, I, I believe it was Tevin Coleman that did not play in the opening game as well. But aside from that, everyone else was healthy. We got Bosa, Sherman, right, Tart, the, all of the guys. It was a fairly healthy offense that played in this game. It didn't really turn out as what the 49ers had hoped for. The Niners lost to the Cardinals in the opener. Very disappointing start. DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray tore up the 49ers all afternoon. So it was a tough one. It was a tough opener, a bit of an eye-opener. But you looked at the 49ers' next few games... Right, Jets, Giants, Eagles, Dolphins, and you're thinking, ah, they'll be fine, right? You know, the Cardinals was a tough game. It's a divisional game. You know, it's kind of bound to happen. But the Niners will be able to bounce back, right? So get to the Jets game, and this is the game that I think ruined the 49ers season. I think the Seattle Seahawks game in Week 9, no, it was Week 8. The game against Seattle in Week 8, that was a tough, tough blow. But Week 2 is when it just... 
it just collapsed. It collapsed before the season even began. The Niners lost Nick Bosa, torn ACL, huge loss. The Niners lost George Kittle in week one. He only missed a few games. He was back in week four. But I believe in that Jets game, Jimmy Garoppolo sprained his ankle, never really recovered fully from that. And it was just all downhill from there. Solomon Thomas gone for the year in that game. Tevin Coleman got hurt in that game. Raheem Mostert got hurt in that game. So many players got hurt in that one Jets game. Of course, the turf was part to blame. But ironically, it was this. The 49ers won that football game, but it did not feel like a win. It felt like, yeah, okay, great. We beat the Jets, who didn't win a game until Week 15. But our season is screwed. Nick Bosa is a game changer on defense. So... That did not really go as planned. Of course, the following week, the Niners played the Giants. With all these guys hurt, the Niners smoked the Giants. Very impressive win. Amazing game by Kyle Shanahan. Great game by Nick Mullins. And the Niners were able to do it. So Nick Mullins took over for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. He missed the next few games. He was able to come back in week five, which was a mistake. So the Niners are 2-1. and one. After September, they're like, okay, Garoppolo's going to come back at some point. Kittle's going to come back at some point. Mostert's going to come back. You know, we're going to get healthy, right? The Niners are 2-1 at September. October, they play the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football, was a disaster. Nick Mullins played horrible. They lost to Carson Wentz and the Eagles, who were a garbage team all year. That is a loss that I look at when I look back at the 49ers season. I say, how in the name of God did we lose to the Philadelphia Eagles? At home, on prime time. Nick Mullins started that football game. There's your answer. But... You know, that's a game the 49ers should have won. But that game, I think, kind of mirrored that if the Niners had their starters, they would have won that game. But they didn't have their starters, and they struggled in that game. The Niners followed that game up with a disastrous game against the Miami Dolphins. And just an absolutely horrific game. They lost 43-17. Jimmy Garoppolo returned from an ankle injury and got benched at halftime. He did not play good at all. So the Niners are now 2-3. and three. Now they play the LA Rams at home on primetime. This was arguably their best game of the season. Garoppolo played this game excellent. Debo Samuel was back in this game healthy. George Kittle was healthy. Raheem Mostert was healthy. Ended up leaving that game though. But the Niners were primarily healthy and they played fantastic. They beat the Rams and they proceed to dis- destroy the Patriots and Jimmy Garoppolo's homecoming to Foxborough the week after. And all of a sudden, after that two week slide against the Eagles and the Dolphins, now the Niners are like, hey, we're back. We're 4-3. and three. We got our quarterback. We got Kittle. We got Debo. We got Mostert. We're ready to go. On to November. So, like I said, week two against the Jets really is where everything crumbled. But then the Rams and the Patriots games gave us life. Now we get to November, and this is the crushing blow. The 49ers lost to the Seahawks in that game, 37-27. But more importantly lost Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle for a significant amount of time. Garoppolo's season would end up being over after this game. He basically sprained his ankle all over again. He'd be gone for the season. George Kittle would end up returning after a foot fracture. He would end up returning in week 16. But it, it was a brutal blow. And you look at the 49ers and how they've deadened from, from week 9 all the way up until the end of the season. You're like, the 49ers could have won a good amount of these games if Jimmy Garoppolo was in the lineup. And and it just didn't happen that way. And it was very frustrating. And of course, the week after that got even worse. Of course, 
before the season, the storyline was the COVID-19 pandemic, which I haven't even talked about at all so far in this episode. That was the main problem in the sporting world in 2020, and it still is in 2021. And of course, what happened in this game, the 49ers, obviously, inevitably, it was bound to happen, got hit by COVID on a short week. They were playing a Thursday night football game coming off of a Sunday road game. They lost their quarterback, lost their starting tight end, and they were forced to play the Packers game. This was one of the wildest things. They played this game with a backup quarterback, missing all three starting wide receivers, Debo, KB, and Ayuk, all missed this game. Garoppolo missed this game. All three starting running backs, Coleman, Wilson, Mostert, out in this game. Kittle, out in this game. Trent Williams, out in this game. And a ton of other backups had to play in this game. It was a disaster. The 49ers lost to the Packers 34-17. And at least at the end of the game, Aaron Rodgers was able to admit in the postgame saying, you know what? This was not the same team we played in the NFC Championship game here back in January. You know, they battled a lot of injuries, but we're happy we won the football game. And man, that was, I can't even imagine what Kyle Shanahan was going through that week. I mean, he has gone through some tough times as the 49ers head coach right now. And and, and honestly, in the first four years, I couldn't be more happier that we have Kyle Shanahan as our head coach. But the 49ers would end up losing to the Saints the week after that. Again, another game the Niners should have won. Turnovers killed the 49ers all year long. The 49ers come off their bye week and they beat the Rams. Again, Mullins plays a great game. Debo Mostert, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman missed, of course. He got injured week one, comes back week 12. The 49ers defense has four turnovers. And all of a sudden, we have life again. It's the same thing after week six and seven. When we're like, okay, the 49ers are back. After this game, the 49ers go to five and six. And we're like, hey, we got Washington and Dallas coming up. The NFC East. And then we got Arizona and Seattle later on. We can get Garoppolo and Kittle back. We're in business. The Niners really thought like okay we have a shot to get in Kyle Shanahan was getting excited everyone's getting excited we get to December Niners are five and six they got a shot to make the playoffs and get that seven seed you know why because the Bears got in in the playoffs and they were garbage they did not deserve to be there the Vikings fell apart late in the season the Cardinals choked in the end of the season so the 49ers this was a perfect opportunity for them to get into the playoffs right and then they play oh no actually wait before Buffalo something even worse happened And then, the 49ers are forced to move to Arizona from Levi Stadium. The Santa Clara County, just when everything wasn't bad enough, and something finally went right for the 49ers after beating the Rams in LA to possibly save their season, they get kicked out of their own home. I mean, that was, if you think the Niners have faced more adversity other than losing You know, so many key guys to injuries. They got hit by COVID. And then now they have to move homes in December with a playoff stretch coming up. So the Niners move to Arizona. Their first game, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. And the Niners got crushed. Having said that, the Bills have been crushing everybody lately. But that was an ugly game. Started off pretty good. The Bills, or the Niners rather drop to five and seven season's still not over yet the Niners went out there nine and seven and they're in the playoffs 
This this is where the season was basically finished. The Niners would follow that up by losing to Washington and Dallas in extremely ugly losses. And when you look back at the 49ers season, they went 1-3 in the NFC East. 1-3. That should tell you everything you need to know. Like, if you cannot win against the worst division of football, I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you what. It didn't tell me a lot about the 49ers, but it told me a lot about Nick Mullins. And I think it told a lot of people about that. The 49ers would end up finishing the season strong. They weren't very healthy, but they got George Kittle back. They got great efforts from guys like Jeff Wilson, Jason Verrett, Kwan Williams. And the Niners were able to upset the Cardinals and pretty much finish their season with a huge 20-12 win in Week 16. It was an awesome game, very entertaining game. And then the Niners almost beat the Seahawks in Week 17, ended up losing that game to finish the season 6-10. and 10. What a roller coaster. I mean... It started off high, and then it went low, and then at week 7 it was high, and then week 8 it dropped, and then week 12 it was back high, and then it dropped again after week 15, and it just, the injuries, I mean, that was the story, I mean, the COVID proved to be a lot to handle in the league, and it took a mental toll on a lot of football teams, but look at the Cleveland Browns, I mean, they... They're a, and I'll probably talk about this more in the in the in the season recap after the Super Bowl, but the Cleveland Browns were able to show that no matter what kind of adversity came your way, we can do it. They didn't have their head coach. They were missing a lot of guys, and they went out and won a playoff game with everything against them. They haven't beaten that team in their building in in 17 years, and they went out and did it. The 49ers this season. And I bring up the example of the Cleveland Browns because of this. The 49ers showed resilience this year. Kyle Shanahan showed resilience. This whole team showed resilience. The games that they were able to win were super resilient if you watched them. Game against the Rams, Arizona, extremely resilient. With guys down, they still battled. They should have won the game against Washington. They should have won the game against New Orleans. They should have won the game against Dallas and Philadelphia. The Niners should have been 10-6 and six instead of 6-10. and 10. But it is what it is. When you lose your key guys, it's tough to win football games in this football in this, in this this league. But it is what it is. The Niners end 6-10. and 10. Hopefully, heading into 2021, things will be a lot better. So, heading into the offseason, the Niners have a ton of free agents. So, this is why it is a very important offseason for the 49ers. And, of course, everyone talks about the quarterback position. The 49ers are going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and whatever. The 49ers got bigger issues, and we'll start with the coaching staff and the front office. Of course, we all know Robert Sala more than likely is going to leave. He is most likely going to take the Jets' job, but is not official yet. So we all knew that. It's kind of expected. But if Robert Sala gets a job, Mike McDaniel, our run game coordinator, and Mike LaFleur, another key guy on our staff on the offensive side, those are big Big names that have played a very, very influential role in the 49ers' success. So I would be a little bit scared to see. But I trust Kyle Shanahan of who he wants to bring in and all that. But I really do hope we're able to keep Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur because they are really big parts of this 49ers coaching staff. And of course, in the front office, Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew, two guys who have really helped John Lynch build the foundation that we have and really been able to scout guys like George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk 
you know, those have been guys that have been able to help John Lynch draft these players. So Adam Peters may not be back next year. Martin Mayhew may not be back next year. So it'll be very interesting to see what do Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch do to improve the front office because that is a very big part about the 49ers draft process and and who they draft and all that. So that's a little something to keep an eye on. But priorities going into the offseason, I mean, there's a lot to kind of get to here. And we'll start with the priorities that I personally think that the Niners need to resign. And I'll start with Trent Williams. Trent Williams, obviously, the Niners got him in a trade from Washington back in April. Joe Staley retired. And training for Trent Williams was probably the best move of the offseason by John Lynch last year. And this is an extremely important one. I feel like the Niners have they 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 have to resign him because if they don't, I don't know who's going to be at left tackle. Are they going to get someone else as good as Trent Williams? When you look at everyone who's available, I mean, I you know the the list of guys who are available, Trent Williams is the best one available, and he's already on your team. He knows Kyle Shanahan's system, and I think Kyle Shanahan needs to be able to convince him that we're going to have a roster that's going to be able to compete for Super Bowl next year. And if he does that, because I know Trent Williams is a little bit intrigued on what the open market could be like. And if I'm in Trent Williams' shoes, I'm a seven-time Pro Bowler or whatever the number is. You know, of course I'd want to see what kind of cash I can get out there and what teams are going to throw at me. But I really do think the 49ers, I'm not being biased here. I mean, I kind of am, but Trent Williams should come back. right? I mean, I think the 49ers give him the best opportunity to win his championship. But we'll see what happens. So I think Trent Williams is the most important guy to re-sign. But the second most important, I think, is equally the most important, and that's Kyle Juszczyk. If you've been watching the 49ers since 2017, Kyle Juszczyk makes this game or makes this 49ers offense run. Him and George Kittle and Trent Williams, those three guys, when the three of them are in the lineup at the same time, this 49ers ground game is on another level. When the 49ers have missed George Kittle, when the 49ers have missed Trent Williams, it's not the same, right? The run game's kind of eh, you know, we're getting, you know, 70 yards, 60 yards, 50 yards. But when Kittle, Juszczyk, Williams are all in there in the lineup, this team's running for 150 yards, 200 yards as a team. Kyle Juszczyk does everything right when it comes to blocking, rushing, passing. Kyle Juszczyk is one of the most important players on this football team since Kyle Shanahan took over. Probably one of the best signings John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done since they got here. Big deal. Kyle Juszczyk was emotional in his press conference in Week 17 against Seattle after the game. Uh, That usually means that this could be the end, but I really, really, really hope not. I think it's possible and I know whoever the Niners bring in, they'll, Kyle Shannon will make sure they bring in another good fullback, but I just don't know if there is a better fullback in the NFL than Kyle Juszczyk right now, especially a position that's slowly declining. Only some teams use the fullback, and the 49ers are one of those teams that use the fullback in their offense. I really hope they're able to bring Kyle Juszczyk back because he is a massive, massive part of this team. Another area of this 49ers team that it might be a lot different next year is our secondary. Jason Verrett's under contract, so is Richard Sherman, K1 Williams, Akella Witherspoon, and Emmanuel Mosley. So pretty much our entire second, Jaquaski Tart as well, pretty much our entire secondary except for Jimmy Ward is under contract. 
So, in reality, this is going to look like a much different secondary than usual. I think the 49ers need to prioritize two guys, Jason Verrett and Kwan Williams. Those guys have been fantastic. Obviously, the silver lining is Jason Verrett's health. He was able to stay healthy this season, which is ironic considering this is the one year that nobody could stay healthy. But for some reason, Jason Verrett was healthy, which is fantastic. It was great. It was amazing. He had a phenomenal season. That's the guy I think you resign and you've got to hone in on making him the starting cornerback role, taking over Richard Sherman's spot. But Kwan Williams is a different beast. And I know there's been a lot of rumors saying wherever Robert Sala goes, he's going to try and poach Kwan Williams, which is very possible. Having said that, Kwan Williams is just such an important player. You see what he does when it comes from in the secondary, coming on blitzes. Kwan Williams is everywhere. He, they call him the shark for a reason. The guy comes in out of nowhere on plays. Kwan Williams is such a big part of this defense. This defense is going to look different next year, but it could also have the have a chance to look very similar to 2019. And get and keeping Kwan Williams is huge, and I hope John Lynch prioritizes that. But I think Kwan Williams is a huge guy. I'm scared we might lose him. But I hope that John Lynch is able to lure him back. Kerry Hyder's another guy, again, I think could end up moving on and, you know, taking the bait of a team throwing money at him, going on like Jacksonville because they're going to give him a crap ton of money. But Kerry Hyder was phenomenal this year. He was fantastic for our defensive line. And I would love to have Kerry Hyder back. He did a lot of great things and especially put him aside with Nick Bosa on the other end. Now, if the 49ers could find a better edge rusher, Sure, by all means, go go and get that. But Kerry Hyder, I would say, definitely bring him back. Solomon Thomas, I think John Lynch is going to give him a, a one-year deal. I think he should. I think it's important to do that, but I hope Solomon Thomas is back next year. Ross Dwelly, also under contract, I think is huge, especially if Kyle Juszczyk is on the fence. Ross Dwelly filled in phenomenal when Kyle Juszczyk was out with an injury in 2019. So Ross Dwelly, I think, as well. And then two guys who I think are huge for this offense are Jeff Wilson and Daniel Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill, I speak very highly of because he has been the unsung hero of this offensive line for the last two years. He play, came in and played tackle and guard when we needed needed him to in 2019. He was able to do that. And then this year, coming in, playing center, which he's never played before, and playing it at a very high level was huge for this team. And I think Daniel Brunskill is a must must re-sign whether it's as a starter or a backup now is Brunskill willing to take up backup money that's going to be the question but we'll kind of see what happens there and then Jeff Wilson I mean it's 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 obvious to me that Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert need to be the guys for this backfield and I would like Kyle Shannon to maybe take a running back maybe in the first or second round I know not a lot of people are high on that I would personally take offensive line but maybe get a running back to pair that with him. But we'll see what happens. A few other guys I would definitely bring back. Kendrick Bourne, Nikella Witherspoon, Kevin Givens, Marcel Harris, and CJ Beathard. I think have all played their way onto this roster. I think they all deserve to be on this football team. They've all done a great job and I think will be a big part. Some guys who I think are on the fence. Jordan Reed, DJ Jones, Jamar Taylor, Ben Garland, Emmanuel Mosley. These are guys who I think are important to bring back. I think I would love to bring them back, but 
we can live without them. DJ Jones is a guy who I really, really want them to bring back. The only reason why I put him in the category of on the fence is because he's been injury prone. DJ, DJ Jones has had a hard time staying healthy. But when he's healthy, he's a force to be reckoned with. And we know when Nick Bosa comes back next year. And hopefully we get a healthy Solomon Thomas back next year as well. This is going to be a different defense. A much different defense. And I think DJ Jones will be able to really help that defensive line. So I hope he's back. But the rest, Jamar Taylor, I could see possibly coming back in case K1 Williams departs. But we'll kind of see what happens there. Guys to let walk, Richard Sherman... I think he's already kind of said that he's gone and I'm content with it. I think Richard Sherman, I think we got the best out of him. He was injured in 2018. He was injured this season. I think he's nearing that part of his career where he's getting injured a lot where I think it's, you know, let him go to another team where he can help develop that team. I think Richard Sherman came in here. He did what he needed to do. He helped improve the culture. Richard Sherman, I will forever be thankful for what he was able to do. Even if he's not a 49er next year, I will never hate him as much as I did before 2018. Obviously, Richard Sherman was one of the most hated players for me, and I'm sure many, many 49er fans hated his guts. But I'll I'll never hate him, you know, if he leaves. If he goes back to Seattle, different story. <laughs> different story if he goes back to Seattle. But if he goes to anywhere else, you know, I'll forever be thankful for what Richard Sherman was able to do for the 49ers. He was able to do great things, help change the culture. He was fantastic. Joukowsky Tart, same thing, injury prone, great when he's healthy, but injury prone. Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, I just don't think are it. Yeah, I didn't think they're older, they're they're not as healthy, they get injured a lot. Jarek McKinnon, clearly those two ACL injuries got the best of him because he did not look the same. I would cut them both loose. Nick Mullins clearly showed that he's not the guy to be the backup quarterback. And then D. Ford and Weston Richburg. I personally think that those two guys need to be cut. D. Ford has not been able to be healthy at all. Same with Weston Richburg. And these are all guys that John Lynch had, you know, high expectations for. And it just comes down to the fact that they just weren't healthy. That's, it is what it is. But I think the 49ers need to let those guys walk. I just think the Niners need to get a little more younger. And they need guys who can stay healthy. That's the bottom line. Going into draft needs or free agent target needs, I think, like I mentioned, center, I think is so, so, so important to this team. I think Kyle Shanahan, for this offense to really get going, they need a center. I personally would take a center in the first round, or I'd go to free agency and maybe take an Alex Mack, who's later in his years, but he's comfortable in Kyle Shanahan's offense, or bring back Daniel Kilgore, who was fantastic in 2017 and has a lot of chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe you bring him back. We'll see what happens there. Backup quarterback, I personally would bring in someone who has done it before. So I look at a Robert Griffin III. I personally don't like him, but he's familiar with Kyle Shanahan. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might retire, he might not. The Dolphins might want him back, but if he's a free agent, I would give him the money. Or Jacoby Brissett, who's familiar with Jimmy Garoppolo, bring him in. He has a big arm. I don't know if he would fit Kyle Shanahan's system. But he's an interesting name to keep around there. So backup quarterback, and I would also bring back C.J. Beathard as well. Cornerback, obviously we know that's a need because we just don't know what the situation is going to be in the secondary with so many guys available. And then edge rusher. I would like to bring Kerry Hyder back. I think Solomon Thomas would be great on the edge. But I think Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas need to play their original position as defensive tackle. 
get someone else to play the edge, and let Armstead and Solomon Thomas see it at the regular positions. I know everyone's going to ask about the quarterback position. And listen, I have three guys. I think a lot of people have them as listed. I would not draft a rookie. Drafting a rookie means that we now have to wait two, three years for this guy to develop. Maybe on a very rare occasion, maybe we have to wait one year or two years for that guy to progress. But we got so many guys in their prime right now. We need a guy who's able to win right now. Jimmy Garoppolo has done it. I would rather take Jimmy Garoppolo than take a rookie. I don't know what nobody likes to hear that, but honestly, I would. However, if Matt Ryan is available, if Matthew Stafford is available, and of course, Deshaun Watson on the very, very, very rare occasion is available, I would take the bait on all three of those. Those three are all better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, I, everyone knows that I'm very pro-Jimmy G, but those three guys can do it and I think would thrive in this offense and would be a good veteran to bring in. But unless your name is not Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, or Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo is our best bet next year. So ideally, when you look at this team, I believe if we're able to get more younger, I think the depth chart can get a little younger, but I know I talked about the core a lot. This is, from my opinion, this is what I think the 49ers core is, not just for this year, but for the next, let's say, five years. Jimmy Garoppolo, unless we find someone better, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward. Those 10 players are the core of this football team. This football team with those guys healthy. Playoff contenders for the next five years. Kittle, best tight end in football. Debo Samuel, one of the best wide receivers when he's healthy. Brandon Ayuk has showed he has an incredible future ahead. Trent Williams, one of the best tackles in football. Kyle Juszczyk, one of the best, not one of, he is the best fullback in the NFL. Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in football. Nick Bosa, defensive end, we all know that. These guys are all the best or top five at their position level in the National Football League. Across the board, that's tight end, wide receiver, left tackle, fullback, linebacker, defensive end, all over the place. John Lynch and Kyle Shannon have a really, really good core. And drafting a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or whoever, sure, they might be really good and extend the 49ers, but can they win games? That's what the 49ers are ultimately trying to do here. Nick Mullins couldn't do it. He could not do it. The 49ers need a guy who can step in and get us 11 plus wins, get to the playoffs, get back to the Super Bowl. That's what this is about. I know I don't, I question, I question this because so many people put so much emphasis on, oh, the Jimmy Garoppolo checks down so much and he doesn't throw deep so much. Okay, if you watch the tape, yes, I'll admit. From going back and watching some 2019 highlights, I'll admit, he does check it down a little bit. I've realized it a little bit more than, than usual. He does. And he, he does need to push the ball downfield more. I completely agree with that. But it doesn't matter because Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. So who cares? And the 49ers are so good at yards after the catch. It doesn't matter. Raheem Mostert could turn a play from 5 yards into 15. George Kittle could turn a play from 5 yards into 20. Debo Samuel could turn a run from 3 yards into 21. You see where I'm going here. This team is just so good at that. And then, of course, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa can impact the game like better than anyone else. 
Everyone has been praising Fred Warner all year long. Last year, everybody was praising how good Nick Bosa is. When those two guys were on the field, at the same time, and Fred Warner has only gotten better, and the more Nick Bosa plays, he's only going to get better, and Armstead's only getting better, and Kinlaw's only getting better, and Solomon Thomas wants to get better. You get my point of where I'm going here. The 49ers, I'm telling you, with this core, if they stay healthy, they're going to be right back in the playoffs next year, possibly win the NFC West all over again. But that's personally what I like. I think the 49ers can keep this team together for the most part by letting a lot of guys walk too. You know, it's not going to be the same team, but you keep those 10 guys. So the most important free agents, Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk. If you're able to retain those two, the rest of the core is under contract, so you're good. But we'll see what happens. To finish up this episode, I will crown my MVPs of the 49ers 2020 season. And I'll start with the MVP of 2020. I have two. I just talked about him. I just raved about him. Fred Warner. The guy was incredible. I just went on and on, so I don't really need to go into more detail of how good he was. Fred Warner just impacts the game so much. I mean, he is... I've talked about it on past episodes. He's the next Patrick Willis. He is so good at impacting the game and sniffing out things. And it's going to be interesting next year because Robert Sala more than likely won't be here. So whoever the new defensive coordinator is, are they going to have the same relationship? Because Robert Sala and Fred Warner had an excellent relationship. So we'll see what happens there. But Fred Warner, amazing year, MVP of this team. But Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, when Debo Samuel was hurt, George Kittle was hurt, so many guys on offense were hurt. Brandon Ayuk balled out every single time and he was so good at it each and every time I can't even explain how good he was this season when I'm so excited for next year when him Debo and Kittle are on the field at the same time they're gonna be something else my surprise player of the year Jason Verrett I mean again I talked about him earlier too when how he was able to stay healthy for the first time in his career and you can't help but to be feel happy for him about that and it's the guy who's had such terrible injury luck but when he's healthy he showed it this year he is really really good I'm happy for Jason Verrett but this is one season can he be consistent if he works on his body gets healthy in the offseason gets ready for next season I hope and pray he can play 16 games next year my most improved player of the year Jeff Wilson I mean Jeff Wilson had a great 2019 but his 2020 was even better and he was injured for a handful of games too. But the thing is that he just was able to play at such a high level. But you, you, you got to love it. Jeff Wilson was fantastic. Him and most, I think, of the future of the backfield. My breakout players of the year, Kyle Juszczyk and Kerry Hyder. They were exceptional all year long. They did a tremendous job. Kerry Hyder led the team in sacks. Of course, I raved about Kyle Juszczyk earlier as well. For my disappointments of the year... Mike McGlinchey, Eric Armstead, and Nick Mullins. McGlinchey had a rough year. Nick Mullins had a horrible year. This was really his chance to show that he's the backup quarterback, but he he just didn't quite show it, and it, and it was tough for that. And as for Eric Armstead, Armstead, I think not having Nick Bosa there made a difference, and I think that was kind of the biggest thing there when I look for Eric Armstead is... He really turned it on later in the year. Those last two, three games, he really turned it on. But I think not having Nick Bosa there definitely made a huge difference. I'm expecting a big year for Armstead next year. So that is it for the 49ers 2020 season recap. 
it was a tough year a lot of ups and downs wasn't all bad again i just want to say i commend the 49ers ability to be resilient in a year where you really really needed to be resilient and the 49ers did that my hats off to kyle shanahan it's been such a tough year for him and this football team but i'm just hopeful that they're able to keep this core together bring in some guys who can really help this team win in the offseason they're gonna let some guys walk we're gonna lose some tough guys it's gonna be sad to see but that's every offseason but i truly believe the 49ers can bring in the right guys in the offseason keep this coaching staff intact as best as they can and of course get healthy if this team can stay healthy they're gonna be right back atop the nfc next year and i truly do believe that that is it for this episode and we will see you next week where we will recap the rest of the nfl playoffs and look ahead to championship sunday and recap divisional weekend hope everyone has a great weekend and enjoys the games on saturday and sunday